The following pendant production contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. Hello and welcome to another Kingery Commentary. Uh, This is Perry Whittle coming to you from the Pendant Director Minds interview room. And today on my right is Neil Bailey, who wrote this episode. This is, uh, let me see if I can get this right. This is Season 2, Episode 9, or Episode 21, if you count that way. The title is Pride Goeth. Welcome, Neil. Hey, how you doing? Um, before we get into this, I wanted to say a few words about Nick Hadley's wonderful art for the Kingery. Uh, in the last episode, one of the sound effects that I was least happy with was Belly's flashlight. And I wasn't sure that the audience would be able to tell what it, what it is when she turns it on and when she drops it at near the end of the show. So I was really, really happy when the flashlight is practically the main subject of Nick's art for that episode. Thanks, Nick. Uh, not only is your artwork wonderful, it also seems to read my mind. Um, well, maybe that's just because we're both reading the same script. <laughs> so speaking of scripts, Neil, yes. how many scripts have you written for the Kingery? Oh, I think this is, uh, if, if I recall correctly, this is the second one, and I started up in the uh, second season, so uh, I'm really relatively a noob. Yeah. How did you join the Kingery writing team? Well, um, before the Kingery even started, Jeff and I were uh, talking about it, and he asked if I had any ideas. And um, at the time, unfortunately, I was dead dog swamped with a whole bunch of stuff, and I told him it was a good concept, but I uh, didn't have any time to help him out, unfortunately. And then um, I got a little bit closer with Jeff, got to know him a little bit better, and um, I had uh, this this real passionate commitment to Blue Harvest and um, he invited me in on the second season and I got a real good vibe off of the Shepherd Tommy thing going on and thought I had something to contribute so I asked him if I could join and he said sure well cool so um, I think we're in scene number one now this is uh, April Sadowski as Belly me as Hooks and I like coming up here, there's a thing where Belly refers to the Days Without Accidents board. Yeah. One of, the, one of those uh, motivational boards that you get in, in industrial environments. I thought that was really nice. Yeah, I, I, I have a lot of fun looking at those because um, I, I my dad's a very blue-collar guy and I used to go to a lot of military installations and a lot of blue-collar places where he'd work and I'd see that little sign on the board and it'd always be like at 9 or 500, you know, and you'd always be in those places where it was like 9 days and you're thinking, oh man, they got to look at that every day. It's just kind of this, this doom clock saying, oh, how long until the number goes to zero? I thought it was a cool dramatic device. What do you think the number is usually at the Kingery? How high do you think they get? <laughs> I'll bet you nine is a new record. <laughs> I bet you they don't go like a day without somebody having some kind of accident. And I mean accident in quotes, you know, like uh, throw off a ladder into a gun, you know? <laughs> right. Right. So what was it like writing this episode? Was, um, there, was there stuff that you uh, had a lot of fun with or yeah, stuff, that, stuff that wasn't so much fun? Stuff I enjoyed, stuff I have trouble with. It's um, it's very neat because um, I, I I've not worked in a collaborative uh, screenwriting experience until the Kingery. Um, generally speaking, there were a couple uh, for the for uh, like uh, other stuff, but this, basically. Um, 
it was neat because I'd write something and I'd think it was genius, and then I'd go in front of five other writers and they'd be like, no, this sucks, and this is great, and, and I wouldn't expect what it was, or I'd miss the point of an outline bit and try and go in my own direction, and then it would get fixed later. And um, it's very cool because when I was uh, much, much younger, I couldn't take criticism very well, and it's very, very productively used in the Kingery uh, writing room, I find. Like, everybody can just yak at each other, and there's never any animosity, and that's really, really cool. Um, I had a hard time getting in the head of, heads of a couple of characters, but one um, one that I really find easy to write is Shepard and Hooks for for um, for the for the fact that he's just kind of he's kind of the victim, and and I see him as the focal point of the series, and I always like writing him for that reason. But um, stuff like Debbie, um, I find harder to write because she's harder to empathize with. Um, and Tommy to a degree because it's hard to suss his character for me but uh, the, the the hardest part was adhering to the, to the uh, outline and not wanting to just go in my own direction because I'm a very organic writer I change things as I go along and, and to go to an outline was tougher but I figured it out and I think it worked out alright well cool I, I think it worked out really great too so let's see we're in scene number two here which is inside Shepard's office and we've got Ara Pelodi as the radio preacher um, she started out saying come down off your spaceships and then she started going on about how women have to obey their men and I think that's one of the things that um, uh, that's one of the rants that really makes Shepard listen to this preacher I think he likes her a lot because of that <laughs> Nice. So, so we've also got uh, Jerry Crawford as the salesman. I love how he says, this place welcomes me. I really thought that that was a salesman's way to say that. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I, I, I like the whole idea of the gilded cross, that whole angle. I thought uh, that, that was winging it off of the uh, outline. I was thinking of him setting up this perfect church, you know, and how, how so often they focus on whether the cross, uh, the, the cross is glossed or whether it's buffed or whether it's shined, you know, and, and they're, they're not paying attention to the people under it. I thought salesmen, a salesman in a church next to a preacher creates quite the dichotomy because a preacher is essentially a salesman of a sort, and it, uh, it kind of shows the way that they're similar, and I thought that was a funny little irony. Yeah, yeah. What seems to be your problem? So when Hooks came into the room, I don't know if you can hear it, but I tried to add a sound to the sound of the door opening yeah. that's supposed to suggest that the glass has cracked. Yeah, and I heard that. That was very okay. nicely subtle. Right. You know, like um, when he popped in, I expected him to be like, like just absolutely furious, and here it was kind of subtle and and beautiful because you can see that it kind of unnerves Shepard because he's used to people being brutally passionate. Yet Hooks is just kind of a schmug. But oh God, um, I got this thing to talk about, and I will be heard. You know, it's like nerd rage. It's great. I love it. <laughs> oh, wonderful. Just in case. And bring him up to the church. Everything will be fine. So the let's wicked, see. Um, the wicked will get what they deserve. My lady already called the cops. You mean Belly? Let's see. I'm Jeez. listening. Uh, okay. Was there anything in this episode that came out exactly as you imagined it when you wrote it? Uh, generally, the scene with Shepard turned out... I, I always have a very easy time writing religious dialogue and religious scenes and the religious mindset because I'm kind of pseudo-obsessed with it. Um, that, that scene turned out rather rather perfectly, um, I thought. Um, in term, are, are you talking, like, in terms of, like, how I write it, how it turned out in the episode, you mean? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was really that was really pretty dead on close to what I was thinking. And the uh, the, the one that differed the most, I think, would be the um, the belly hook scene in the in the beginning. I I, I, I um, didn't picture it like as as 
echoey. Like, I pictured it as very, very kind of quiet and scared, but ultimately, the echoey version worked a lot better, because then it's just utterly creepy. You picture these people walking toward the dead body in this kind of almost hollowed-sounding, garbagey area, you know? I don't know how to describe it. It's very tough. You know, without being able to see it, you kind of just go on impression, you know? It's like, how do you describe how a symphony impacts you, you know? But, but like, the echoey voice just gave it kind of a haunting quality to me, and it, and it turned out better. I always find that the... Uh, the directors tend to improve upon what I do. <laughs> thank you for that. <laughs> oh, thank you for saying it. Yeah. And um, I should mention Jovian Lab is Adam Shepard and is doing a great job. Yeah. And yeah, that was, it was tough to see him uh, to, to see him go from um, from Luter to uh, from from McCaskill to uh, to, to um, the new guy. Oh God, I'm yeah. blanking on the name. Uh, on the spot on the commentary here, but I know Adam. Adam, right? Yeah, jo- Jovian Lab. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, Jovian Lab. Sorry, I'm spacing out here. Um, <laughs> it's been a long week for anybody who you know is like wondering why I'm sounding like an idiot. But yeah, um, I think he's doing a great job. Honestly, I think it, it was creepy and scary and just all the good ways that uh, Shepard makes you feel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and so then we've also we had Tithia who came in the door for a second and was schooling. Um, that's played by Catherine Pride. Great job, Catherine. Um, and she was schooling uh, Shepherd on the Bible. Yep. And now we've got uh, Jane Parrish doing a great job playing Regina, and she's schooling Shepherd in mathematics. Yeah, and that you know that that scene right there was actually um, a whole. Uh, th- there was a bit of debate there because I did a little bit of research and found out that Wolsey connection. I know you noticed there. You probably know if you like the series, the whole Lambsy and Wolsey thing. Um, so I picked a quote that had a, a wolves conundrum. Um, like it, 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 in one version it has wolves in it, and the other version it has something else, and let him let him debate in it so that maybe you could see the destructive side of his quote, et cetera, et cetera. But. Uh, that's probably the weak point of the episode, honestly, for me as the writer, where I screwed up the most, was not making clear how Tithia was in there or what she was doing, but ultimately it was something I just had to let go. I hope it didn't come off as too crazy. Okay. I liked when uh, Shepard asks her to leave and Cat Pride says, no, I don't mind, meaning, yes, I mind very much. I really like that performance. Yes. Well done. Well done. Yes. And then, and now, so now we've got Regina and Shepard. They're really at odds here. They've had little disagreements throughout the, the the run of the series, but now it seems like it's getting serious. And I thought that was an interesting development here. Yeah, well, it's, it's a definitely it, it's it's tense between the two of them because they're they're both operating under you know kind of false pretenses. It's kind of a power play. It's like that uh, that that awesome Sopranos demographic you get where both of the people are wrong and they got to find the best the best goodness in that wrongness. I don't know how else to describe that, but uh, I don't know. And and Shepard is just irredeemable in a lot of ways, even though he's he's a motivating figure. So he's. I don't know, I like him, like that scene right there where um, where he was hinting at, you know, like, redeeming <laughs> redeeming a gal, if you will. That, that actually, I don't want to spoil any future stuff, but um, it was a lot more explicit in the original draft, and then things changed. Um, and he was just, yeah, he's just an unredeemable kind of guy. So to see him banter with someone who's kind of a counterbalance is nice, you know, as a dramatic effect, I think. Yeah. And then, as that scene ended, we had uh, Gwendolyn Jensen Woodard as the um, receptionist, and um, Melissa Johnson as Francesca. And 
Gwendolyn gave a great ad lib where she w- pretended to be really irritated with Shepard, and huh. I thought I would use that take because the switchboard operators always know more than anybody thinks they do, and it's yeah. just it's just their goodwill that keeps most offices from flying apart at the seams. So I I liked when he says, you know, let me let me talk to the hooker again, that she would turn all um, acid on him. Nice. Yeah. yeah sure. You know, I find that ad libs tend to be the best part. As a, speaking as a former director, I, I mean, I direct something sometimes, but like the when when the actors would ad lib, I'd typically throw it in there because usually the intuitive response to a line is pretty good, and you get some really good stuff out of it. I love it. Right. And then the next scene, uh, Pete Mylan and Carl Glassmeyer playing Tommy and Asa and having a great conversation, and. And this is the moral of the story, right? You give what you give what you want. What you want, you give it away until it comes back on you. Yeah, that's about it. And 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 that's Tommy's redeeming quality, despite the fact that he's this awful gangster kind of guy. You know, it's like he he still takes care of his people. It's it's almost like a Sopranos kind of thing. Until you overly betray him, he won't he won't turn against you. And that's one of the qualities I really liked about his character. And I just wanted to point out, I put, uh, when Asa says that he's not going to tell you what's in the locker, I think I put that in the trailer, um, because I just wanted to point out that even Asa is scared of the spoiler assassins. (laughs) Yeah, Asa is actually, you know, he's probably, I don't know, next to Hooks, he's probably my favorite character, because he knows everything, and he's he's just the, um, he's the narrator for, if if you will, he's kind of like a C-3PO figure to me, C-3PO or R2-D2, because he's just... He's always there for all the maladies, and yet he's never directly involved. He's always dodging the gunshots, and yet uh, and yet knows what's going on, and kind of subtly guides what's going on by helping people. You know, right? Uh, I like him. Yeah, and he's he, he, awesome. He does know so much. It's just it's getting so curious. How does he know everything? Yeah. Um, so let's see. In this scene, we have Melissa Johnson and Jovian Lab and Bill Fisher as a trio of prostitutes. And Andrew Eckhart as Roberts. And, boy, we have some other people, too. Yes. Uh, Colin Snow is coming up as a construction worker. <laughs> Great job, everybody. Yes, indeed. And let's see. Uh, oh, yeah, birds. We hear birds, so that means it's morning. <laughs> Absolutely. Birds, you know, you know, birds means to me. It's kind of crazy because birds to me means like the end of the writing day because <laughs> I stay up all night writing. So every time I hear birds, I'm like, oh, it must be late. I'm like the one person on earth that would think that. But yeah, birds totally mean day. It's awesome. Just like everyone else. And then we've got uh, Colin Snow as the construction worker. I can't remember if I mentioned him. What's to stop me from being a whole new person? And so uh, Andrew Eckhart is now playing Robert's body holding Devi's mind. <laughs> and if you think that was easy to keep track of, <laughs> yeah, that's why the outline is my best friend, because the uh, body swapping thing is kind of crazy. That's the one aspect where a visual would probably help us out, given that um, you know TV can actually be visual in that respect. But uh, it still comes across, I think. I think it's pretty good. Right. Right. And, but this is, it's very interesting because this is a new change, Debbie, that we haven't seen or heard before. Yeah, the redemptive Debbie. Um, yeah. the, the one who regrets that she destroys her, uh, 
daughter's life. I don't know. I, I, I we haven't done the uh, season three get together yet, but I'm I, I'm guessing that um, uh, should Debbie survive and provided she's still a character and has a long term arc, I would um, imagine that it's very difficult for her. You know, to be redemptive over time. I bet you she probably is is the type to lapse. Though I don't know. I haven't talked yeah. to Jeff about that. That's just my impression of her. She yeah. seems like one of those really unredeemable types, like Shepard. Like Shepard's always going to have a positive message, but he's just deep down going to be a dirty, nasty guy on the inside. And this is just that manipulative mother figure, you know? Right. The madam. Right. And so then we have uh, Melissa Hearn as the loudspeaker voice. I think that loudspeaker is on a sound truck moving through the city, trying to attract um, people to the new church. Yeah, that sounds anyway, about that's, right. That's how I did that. Suitably creepy. <laughs> yeah. And so, now I hear the theme music, so that means it's just about time to go. Um, that's right. I want to say thanks to everybody who contributed to this episode, and Neil, and... When do you know when we can look forward to your next Kingery script? Actually, this is my last this season, if I recall correctly. Um, and then we haven't figured out the schedule for next season, but we will know next month. All right, next month. All right, listen to those credits. Yay! All right, well I'll say my goodbyes now. That's cool. Um, thank you everybody in the cast, and thank you for directing an awesome episode. And, uh, You're welcome. Yeah, I hope it met with you guys this pleasure. Right, and I thought it was a fantastic episode, and I hope everybody else does too. I'll see you next month. Bye everybody. Bye now. The Kingery, created by Jeffrey Bridges, Susan Bridges, Macaulay Eaton, John Harden, and Teresa J. McGarry. Copyright 2008, Pendant Productions. For more information, visit PendantAudio.com. Thanks for listening.